Today on episode number 866 of the School of Podcasting, it's interesting because my guest is Mark Hirschberg. My book is The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You, which was inspired by my class at MIT. Yeah, so he teaches at MIT, he's an author, and he had a pretty hefty goal. I'll note I'm different than most authors. I am very explicitly not an executive coach. I have nothing else I am selling, no other products or services, because in my day job, I build tech startups. So I went on with perhaps a different mission than some people who go on podcasts. Oh, yeah. And he helps launch tech startups. So the goal was to get on 150 podcasts. Did he achieve his goal? No, he didn't get on 150 episodes. He got on close to 350 episodes. And the interesting thing was he didn't follow my advice. And we met at a networking event and he kind of said, I kind of disagree with what you're saying there. And I'm like, we need to talk. And so today we're going to hear some tips on being a better guest and a better host. Now, one thing I want to mention here, if you are a person that only does solo shows, this episode is not for you. So you are dismissed from this episode. If you need something to listen to, go over to podcastconsultant.com slash 52. And I have an episode there where you can learn how to better identify your audience. But if you are somebody looking to be a guest or somebody who does interviews, stick around. This is an interesting conversation. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for sticking around. Our website, this is where we help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener and that will give you 20% off a monthly or yearly subscription. And, of course, that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So a little behind the scenes of this episode, I met Mark at this networking event, and we said, hey, we should probably compare notes. This is interesting. So this really wasn't a – I did a bunch of research on him to do the interview, and we just got together and talked and – at the end of this, I was so happy because I said, do you mind if I record this in case this turns out to be really good? And it was. What was interesting about this is I edited this out. And there was a lot of editing, again, because there wasn't a lot of planning. And if you're new to the show, it's like a seesaw. The more planning, the less editing. Less planning, lots of editing. And there was lots of editing in this. And the biggest one, in fact, I left one in. You'll hear it. I added one of these. The biggest thing... It was going on here because it was a conversation was Mark would say something and I'd be like, oh, my God, exactly. And then I would give another example. And everything we're talking about is not rocket science. And so you don't need to hear like an explanation. And then just in case you didn't get it, here's another one. So I cut that out. But realize some of this might be a little not jarring, but I'm, I'm splicing things in here, much like you just heard at the intro to give you some background and things like that. So the, the fun part of this that I really kind of got done and without being too like big on myself, I thought it was cool that I realized this was a good conversation and without any notes, we had a really like, wow, that's cool. And it, the biggest thing was 
listening. And you'll hear where he says something. I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Let's go into that a second. So let me stop talking. Here's my interview with Mark. Links in the show notes out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 866. In fact, you'll hear more from Mark in a future episode because he actually has a really cool tool and app. And I kind of wanted to stay focused today on interviews. So you will hear that in a future episode. And of course, you can always go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow and subscribe to the show for free and never miss an episode. In fact, you know what we're going to do? Instead of starting the interview and interrupting it, let's just get all that housekeeping stuff out of the way right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you're a subscriber to the School of Podcasting newsletter, which you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter, you're already familiar with Mark because he gave me a resource for new authors that was just amazing. And of course, I put that in the newsletter. But hey, let's get to know Mark. Here is my very casual conversation. The not an interview that turned into new, into an interview with Mark. You know what? And I'll just do the intro later. So I've got all your info. Once we figure out what we're talking yeah, about. So I said, boy, the thing that drives me nuts is when people don't listen to my, my show. And this is where I really liked it because you pointed out something. And I was like, oh, I am explaining that wrong because it made me sound like an egomaniac. Like, you must, you must kiss my aura ring before you know, getting on my show. And what I was really trying to say was it would be nice if you would do a better job of connecting your expertise to my audience. And I said, whatever you do, don't do a spray and pray to what you said. Hey, can I kind of like, I have a, an alternative view on that. So what's, what's your take on that? We should. So by way of context, my book came out about two years ago when we did this. And for various reasons, I chose to self-publish. I had the option of going down the traditional route. I chose to self-publish. So it was all on me. And the book came out during COVID, which also limited options. I said, okay, podcasts. In fact, my friend Dory Clark, who is a national top-selling author, top business author, she said, you need to get 150 podcasts. All right, that's my mission. And I started out where I would, okay, here's the podcast. Let me go research the host. Let me go listen to some episode. Let me craft a pitch and say, well, I looked at this episode and that one and all this. And I was getting hardly anywhere, mm. just getting no, no, no. And my my background, by the way, I, I don't want to sound egotistical. I've been teaching at MIT for 20 years. So I'm not just, hey, I'm some <laughs> schnook. Right. Please put me on your show. I have some credibility. Yeah. I built a lot of tech startups. That's incredibility here. And when I shifted, I just said, okay, this has to be volume. Mm. I did probably improve the pitch a bit as I did each time and saw what worked. But then it, it's really volume. And I've probably sent out well over 2,000 pitches. Wow. I have a success rate of somewhere around, I think, 20 to 30%. I have to look at the numbers again. But that's, a, I, I've been on probably close to 350 podcasts at this point in just over two years. That's amazing. So you did a ton of interviews. And this is the beautiful thing. Now I we can find out, like, what are people doing? What are hosts doing that you just in your head were smiling? You're like, oh, I'm happy to be here. But, like, are there things that hosts do that you're like, oh, my God, not one of these again? 
There are, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well. One of the first things is when I apply to be on shows and they say, tell us your favorite episode and why. And that drives me nuts because if the goal of your show is to get your super fans on as guests, that is a fantastic question. Find out who really loves you and why. But if what I suspect most shows want is some expert in whatever domain is, their expert probably doesn't sit there listening to their show. And in fact, the biggest experts, the ones that I think most hosts want, the busy CEO, the really successful professor or whatever they do, those people don't have time to listen to all your shows. So you're basically putting in the wrong filter. That's a great point. So a better way, and I'm not saying this is the answer. Maybe we can kind of work on this together. Maybe a better way would be to say, my audience is looking for blank, 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 and blank. Can you tie your expertise to that? Would that be a better approach? A hundred percent. And some do say, what's the value you're going to deliver to the audience? Or give me the three key takeaways. Fantastic question. Get to the point. But you raise a second pet peeve of mine, which is, who the heck is your audience? Mm. Now, you might say the entrepreneurship show. Okay, got it. You're not new moms. Figure that part out. But what the heck does entrepreneurship show mean? Are you looking at people who are aspiring entrepreneurs or existing entrepreneurs? Are they solopreneurs? Are they people doing, from my world, where we do tech startups and you're trying to raise millions of dollars and scale companies? That's all valid. But knowing who that is, the question I always ask before I go on is, who is your audience? Because I'm going to give different examples depending on who they are. So please help orient me to their background, experience level, age, countries, anything can tell me. They they don't think to offer that until I ask. That's absolutely true. Because there are times that I'm like, who am I talking to? Because I can stay super broad and kind of eat, or I can do hyper niche, like let's dig in the weeds and talk kilobits per second and and all those other things. So I always say, give your guest a target to hit and and chances are they're going to hit it, but don't make them guess. My fa- I keep getting pitched real estate people and I, I'm not sure. And I'll just, I'll even say, Hey, like I do a show about podcasting and I understand that this person's a very successful business person, but like, can you, can you bridge the gap? I'm not seeing it. And I usually don't hear from them, but I will get their autoresponder that says, Hey, I just thought I moved this back to the top. You know, what did you think about, you know, Steven? And I'm like, yeah, you still haven't. That's my pet peeve is when you put it into a, some sort of autoresponder system that's going to email me every three days and, and go, so what do you think? Or, and this is just a me thing. I don't think this is everybody, but for me, when you give me the seven page PDF, I'm like, I'm going to know within the first page if you're a good fit or not. I don't need to know that you graduated with a 4.2 from wherever and your dog's name is Skippy and your wife is Karen and you live in a two-room house in you know, Poughkeepsie. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to be telling the audience. And I'm so excited because he named his dog after a you know favorite cartoon character. So that sometimes it's a little too much info. In the same way that hosts don't give the interviewee a good target, I think sometimes the host gets the, here's everything you would ever want to know about me 
because you don't know who the audience is. So you're like, some of this is going to fit. Whereas if you just said, hey, I knew who it was, you need to know this about me. But again, if you're trying to get on a lot of shows, that's the time-wise. You either have to have a staff to, like you said, go listen. and. But for most people, you probably have maybe two or three angles. Yeah. I, by the way, I've got 10 chapters, 10 topics, so I can pitch any of those, which gives me a lot of breath, which is partly why I can go on. Like I've, I've gone on parenting shows. I've gone on education shows. I've gone on entrepreneurship shows. I've gone on HR shows, very broad range. And I do have different pitches for each type. Most people, they'll have two or three. And what I tell aspiring authors I talk to and others, if your pitch starts out with, the word I too many times in the first paragraph. I see people, they go on these Facebook groups. I want to be a guest and talk about this. No, what you offer. It's not that you want to do this because let's face it. So many guests go on saying, Ooh, I want to sell books or sell my service, but I can't say that. So I'll say something else. Focus on how you're delivering value to the audience. Now you might begin to be fair. You might say, after 20 years of being a New York Times investigative journalist to establish some credibility, but within two sentences, you better be getting to what is the value you are delivering to the audience. And that's the focus. I agree with you. Too many guests lose that message. Every good host wants to serve their audience. Like they want to bring them value. So if you can say, hey, I've got value on a platter for you, they're, they're going to hire you every time, I would think. And one more thing, this is a very big pet peeve of mine, the legal forms that guests sign. Now, I totally get you want to control the rights and you should. And yes, you can use this in different formats. I am quite happy to sign that. But the way many of them are worded, they say you have the universal rights to the show, to my name, to my likeness, to my image, to everything about me, which means in the future, you your successors, if you pass away, your spouse, your children, or anyone who buys your assets also have those rights, which means you, you're probably not going to do it, but someone in the future could take my name, my likeness, my image, my voice, and use it to promote some product or service I don't believe in. And for those of us, especially who have larger brands, we're very conscientious about this. So some terminology that needs to be in the contract and big disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. Check with a lawyer on this. But some terminology, and we're starting to see it more often, says something like, in conjunction with promoting the episode, use my image and everything else all you want to promote the episode. Use in derivative form. Sure, quote me in your books. But put something that says in conjunction with the episode, or it may not be used to promote other products and services. Just provide that low extra protection. You weren't going to use it anyway and provides protection for the guests. So I really hope the industry starts to change. Yeah, that's a little spooky when you're just like, yeah, just use it whenever, wherever, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's uh, a little too vague. Any other pet peeves that hosts do? Like, do they show up on time? Most show up on time. And you know, with 300-some podcasts, I've been late to some, they've been late to sure. some. I think there's one or two where I just made a calendarly mistake or calendaring sure. mistake and missed it. I've had some miss it for me and 
I, my rule is, you know, we, we all make mistakes sometimes. I right. always give someone a, a pass. Yeah. And it sounds like I think hosts probably get this more than guests because I do see some hosts where they charge a nominal fee and something like $20 to appear. By the way, I've never paid a guest fee to anyone. All earned media. I, I don't believe in that. But I see some. Now, some are charging hundreds of dollars and they're trying to sell packages. But some I see, they say it's $20. We do this because we have so many no-shows mm. that this shows you're committed. And so I'm guessing that's a big problem for a, a certain level of podcasting guest. It is. I had somebody a couple weeks ago that interviewed me and they're like, we're just happy you showed up. And that's why I always tell people, even if you're using something like Acuity or Calendly, that if you're on a certain plan, it'll notify them. I still, if I look up and I have an interview, except I didn't do it today, usually I look at my schedule and I will send something out. I'm like, hey, and I kind of give them a, an easy out. I'm like, hey, I realize that we scheduled this maybe weeks ago. Oh, just want to make sure half life hasn't gotten in the way. Are we still good? And they'll be like, yep, looking forward to it. Or they'll be like, oh, I'm so glad you reached out. Grandma died again. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll reschedule. You know, one, one of my bigger challenges, it has to do with AV hmm. and editing. Will this be audio or video? It's remarkable how many people don't tell you. And you can try and search and it's not always easy because they might say, oh, I just have video on the website or I don't have it on the website. We have it somewhere else, but it's not obvious. And I'm a guy. It's pretty easy for me. I keep a dress shirt right by my <laughs> recording area. I've got my lighting. It takes 60 seconds to set up. But certainly for some other people where they have hair and makeup, they need to know ahead of time how much they need to prepare for this. The second question, and in fact, I got tripped up once. It's not just, if you just ask, is there, do you record video? I've had people say no, and what they mean is we're not recording video to put out. So there's a few levels. There is audio only. There is full video. There is video clips. And then one person did a still photograph. And so she said, no, we don't use video. So I showed up in a T-shirt, which is off-brand for me. And the next day there on social media was me sitting in a T-shirt with some company's brand logo on it that I got from some conference. That's not what I wanted. I didn't realize you were going to do that. So being upfront about, first, the level of AV. Second, the level of editing. Is it single take? Hey, we just press record and unless I hear you murdering your children, we're just going straight through. Versus, well, if you get really lost in a question or there's something, the dog starts barking, we'll take that out. But otherwise, we keep in the ums and the ahs, or some do, we're going to do full editing. Knowing that level is helpful as well. And then the third is just having a sense of duration. I look to see what prior episodes are, but sometimes people, they did a shift recently. So those three things, level of AV, level of editing, and duration being explicit about that ahead of time is definitely helpful to the guest. And I've got one to tack on because I've been bitten by this one. Please. Let me know when you press record. Because I remember once I showed up and they were some friends of mine. And as friends do, we just start chitting and chatting and blah, blah, blah and testing stuff. And, and I go like, 
when are we going to start? And they're like, oh, we've been going for 10 minutes. And I was like, well, hold on. I said, I hereby, like, do not give you permission to use the first 10 minutes of that because I didn't know people were going to hear that. And I was like, hold on, because I was giving away trade secrets. And I'm like, no, I, don't, I do not want that public. So that's that's always a good thing. It's kind of a given thing. Plus, there are times when the host forgets to press record. So if yep. you could, you know, that might be just a, a tag team where you should tell the guest. But if they haven't told you as a guest, you might want to go, hey, just to make sure, are we recording now? Because they might go, oh, holy cow, hold on. Can we do that question again? Not only being clear when you record, and I once showed up like you, I showed up and, oh, wait, we, we're recording from the start. I thought we'd have a minute or two. Right. I'm still getting, getting seated, getting ready. But then what people often do, say, okay, we're going to record, and they click record. Now, one of two things happens. Either they catch you just at the wrong moment, and certainly if they're doing a thumbnail, the thumbnail takes that very first second and sometimes it just catches you in a weird right. whatever. So doing a, hey, okay, smile for three seconds. And that's what we're going to start with. Or with a lot of people who do Zoom, they click record. And what happens to the person on the other side? We get the little pop-up mm. that says, you are being recorded. Click yes. So in our image, the first thing coming in is my <laughs> hand going near the camera in this awkward, like, I've got to turn it off. So when you record, give it a couple seconds, everyone kind of looks, smiles, and then you go. I saw somebody in a Facebook group today, and he said it was taking him six hours to go through, I think he said two hours of raw audio. And I'm like, that's a very long interview. How many questions did you give this poor person? And the more you record, the more you have to cut out. What's the, the typical over under of, of an interview? For me, it's usually maybe about five, 10 minutes ahead of time. Usually I have to ask the questions we brought up. Tell me a little about this. They might give me some other background. We'll talk a little. It's usually not that much to start and we jump into it. I'm comfortable enough that you can, you can walk me onto a stage right now and I'd be okay. There are certainly other people where hold their hand, make them feel comfortable. So as a host, you should certainly judge the level of experience and what you need to, to do to get them into this. Afterwards, a good half hour. And I say that because one of the most valuable things that you can do when going on podcasts, I'm sure you know this well, is build that relationship. That's in many cases, that's the most important part. That's the best part. Forget the audience from either side. It's building that relationship. And so afterwards, sure, you'll do some, this is when it's coming out and I have some standard follow-up questions I ask at the end, but then building that relationship, that is immensely valuable. And spending half an hour, that's the minimum it takes. If you spend five minutes going, great, thanks. I know when it comes out, see ya. You didn't build the relationship. Yeah, that's um, John Lee Dumas got to interview Gene Simmons, who was very Gene Simmons, right? He is like, I am God. I will show up late. I will answer your questions. And the minute we are done, I leave. Like I am like before the, like before you've hit stop on the recorder, I'm out. Now this will be, here's a fun part. This is what will be edited out. In fact, I'm going to leave it in to explain what I would have edited out. Cause you know what I'm doing right now? I'm basically agreeing with you and you didn't say anything that needs more explanation. You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, the, the most important part is the relationship and 
I totally 125% agree with that. That's the best thing ever. And, and you should put that on your schedule. Like, Hey, I'm supposed to be interviewed from such and such as like extend that and go as long, you know, don't, don't outstay your welcome. But if the guy wants to chit chat or if she wants to have a conversation, exactly. That's the bonus is the relationship and, uh, and go that route. So when it comes to, so the, the, the interview is over. What ha- like what are the things that have do they ask you anything about who to send information to or or are you left again kind of in the dark because I have found I've been interviewed a few times and I go back later and it was never published I just assume they're going to contact me and say hey it's out please promote it and I'm noticing that that doesn't always happen so what's what's it like on your side after the interview. The vast majority of them, 95% plus, 98% plus, will let me know when it comes out. Usually they say, hey, you'll probably be out in X number of weeks. We'll send you an email. The better ones actually say, we're going to send you an email and it will have some media assets for you. It will have our tags. That's always nice. I don't expect it. But if you send me media assets, it's easier for me to promote it. Assume people are lazy. That is a general good premise. So the more you can do the work for them, the easier it is for them to take that final step. By the way, when you include your media assets, please include your social tags because I use a tool like Later. It's a social media planner. So I'm going to post to all my different channels. Oh, now I have to look up what was your Twitter handle? What was your Instagram handle? Thank you for sending me the asset. But if you could just in your standard email, because this is, auto-generated or it's cut and paste, which is totally fine. Just include your handles, make it even easier if you could. Well, and then you know, then they don't have to go searching to figure out if you shared it or not. It's like you've copied them on it or whatever. So it's just more efficient for everyone. Have you ever received assets that you're like, yeah, there's no way I'm using that. Where they've taken that screenshot from the, (laughs) the first freeze frame of your hand hitting okay. There, there may have been one or two or just said, I'm going to use the cover art for the podcast instead. Mm. But now you, you asked about the <laughs> or implied in questions as exceptional cases. I've had a few where it didn't come out. And that can be frustrating. First, I want to promote it. I want to promote our episode. Mm. Help me out here. In one case, I know there was a death in the family. I think the guy's son died and the whole thing just went on pause and that I can understand the other cases. It was frustrating. I have no problem. We're investing time together. I've even for the people who have forgotten to record. Okay, we'll do it again. I get, I would do that too once in a while, but if we put the effort in to do the episode, please don't just drop it. If you think it's horrible, fine. You have the right not to do it, but that was an explanation. And one woman, she just, I kept emailing saying, what happened? What happened? Radio silence. She reached out to me because of uh, a tool I built that she was interested in. I said, hey, nice to connect again. Let me tell you about the tool. By the way, whatever happened to the episode? She said, oh, we lost all our our media. We you know, lost a hard drive. Okay, if you had just told me that, I get it. It's happened to all of us. You shouldn't have done the radio silence. Yeah, I've always told people that 
if for some reason you did the interview and you're like, you know, I thought we were going to talk about this. We ended up talking about this and this really doesn't fit my audience. Be honest. And in some cases, you might have the guests go, oh, is that what you wanted to talk about? I can do that. If you'd like, we could reschedule this. It goes back to letting people know why they're on the show and who their audience is because they might have thought, oh, I was talking to this kind of person who does such and such. And it turns out you want me to talk about, you know, so it's just more efficient if you just let everybody know much less editing. You know, I always say more planning equals less editing. And then you don't have to record two hours of an interview that you cut out an hour and 45 minutes. So since we're talking about after the interview, you know, is there anything else you do at the end of the interview to kind of get the ball in motion or whatever, or, or are there anything that people are asking you at the end of an interview? There's, there's two key questions you need to ask at the end of every interview, both to build that relationship, but also to help get you on more shows, certainly as a guest, but works for hosts too. Mm. So as a guest, as soon as this episode is over, two questions I'm going to ask you. The first, are there any other guests you're looking for for your show? So I'm going to offer. First, you offer before you ask. But in doing so, what I have is another templated email. I have a list of about 20 people. These are entrepreneurs, authors, people I know who are actively looking to go on shows. In fact, even some other podcasters who I've met who have expressed interest. I've got this whole thing. I can copy and paste it. Each person, it's a list with some bullet points. So it says, hey, thanks for having me on the show. Here are some of the people who I think might be good guests. And it's a bolded list. Each item has a name, hyperlink to their website, and a one-sentence description about them. At the bottom, it says, you're welcome to ignore all of them. I did not commit you to this. I said, here's some people to consider. So you can completely ignore this email. But if any of them are of interest, I'd literally say, if any of them are of interest, I'm happy to do an introduction or you can reach out and use my name. And so this way, a couple things happen. First, I've just done something nice for you. I've done it in a way where you're not obligated. I didn't put you on the spot. Do do you want to talk to Alice? Yes or no? (laughs) I also, I've helped out friends of mine. So I'm helping people left and right. And these friends of mine, They've learned that I do this. What do you think they're doing? What do you think they say at the end of the shows? I get on shows. I said it took me about a minute to pitch a podcast when everything's aligned well. It takes me zero seconds to pitch a podcast when one of my friends does it for me. That's the first of the two questions. Hmm. The second question, now that I've offered, and do you know any other host for whom I'd be a good guest? And these two things were helping each other out. Obviously, it's predicated on you liked me. I provide good value to your audience. And so there's that very important assumption. But I can tell you that on average, every show I've done has led to at least one other introduction. Now, do you ask that in a way where you're waiting for an answer? Or is it, hey, if you know of any other shows that I'd be a good fit for, could you email them to me? Or is it? I believe the exact wording I use is, and if you know of any other shows for whom I'd be a good fit, that's very much appreciated. So I give you, and many people say, oh, wait, let me think. Oh, there's Nancy's show. But some will say, okay, let me think about it and I'll email you. Most do, which hopefully reflects well on me. Right. 
some don't, which maybe also reflects on me. Two other pet peeves. One is the rate my show. Mm. If you want to be a guest, you have to give me a review. And I don't like that for two reasons. One, it feels unethical. Now, as an author, if I send you a copy of my book and you post a review on Amazon, you have to disclose. By the way, I received a free review copy. Right. Quid pro quo. If I have to give you a rating to get on your show, I feel I would need to disclose this rating was given because that's the hoop I have to jump through to get on the show. The second thing is, well, wait, can I say to you, oh, wait, I'm coming on your show to talk about my book. Well, I need to see a five star rating on my book before I'll do it. (laughs) Uh, That's not how let's just go on. Hopefully we like each other. Maybe you'll read my book and give me a review. I don't even expect you to read the book. Just as you don't expect me to be listening to all your prior episodes. I understand you have guests every week. You don't have time to read my book. That's fine. Stephen Colbert does not read every book, see every movie that goes on to his show. We're the same thing. Well, that's that brings up a great point. Did you have out of all those interviews? Did you have somebody who actually read your book? I've had a couple people. I'd say probably close to 15 percent actually read the book, which really surprised me. And I certainly didn't demand it. Like, was there a night and day difference from somebody who had read your book and somebody who didn't? There was not, but I think part of it is my media kit has, I'm guessing, 150 some questions in it organized across a dozen topics. I have a very thorough media kit that says, here's a bunch of angles you can pick. Here are sample questions you can choose. Hmm. You don't have to use these questions. This is just to help inspire you. So I give a lot of guidance because I assume you don't have time for that. So when you approach somebody and you say, hey, I would like to be on your show, is that part of the material they get on that first approach? Because that's pretty cool. Yeah, I have a a standard outreach. And this, for any guests listening, again, make it easy for the person to say yes. Assume everyone is busy and they don't have time, so make it very easy. So my pitch, I've got that standard pitch saying, here's... That one line of after teaching at MIT for 20 years and building startup companies, I've written the career toolkit. This is helpful for your audience. Some details about what the book is and how it adds value. I know I have a line. I say, I know your time is valuable. So I've attached a media kit to help you plan for the interview. And in the media kit, it's got the standard things. The first page, because as you mentioned, most people don't go past the first page. That's just, here's the overview. And you can look and say, is this a fit or not? If you go past there, okay, you've got my bio and social handles. That's where you can dig in. And then here are different topics for the show. Are you an HR show? Or do you want to talk about networking? Do you want to talk about negotiating? Are you for kids coming out of college? Are you parents? All these different angles. Here are some questions based on that angle. And I say in the kit, this, these are not questions you need to use. This is just to make it easy for you. If these are the questions you can answer, I can go, oh, yeah, these are the questions that my audience would ask. So that's a great fit. Did you have anybody require a pre-interview? Yes. There's some people who like to do a pre-interview. I'm totally fine with that. It's your show, your process. 
Some people just like to get to know you. Some people, they're not big on, on reading. They think, well, okay, the title, this looks right. Let's just talk for a few minutes. Let's understand our chemistry. Or let's understand, are you someone who gives one word answers? <laughs> I totally get that's something you want to find out ahead of time. So yeah, some people do the pre-interview. I now have as well in that starting email, I say you can also hear me on prior podcasts Bingo. here and I have it linked. So you can quickly check out, how does this guy sound? Because that's important. How many people did you send out to? I've pitched probably over 2,000 okay. at this point. How Most for the book. I have a second thing I pitch these days as well. So I have less in that camp. I'm assuming this is not Gmail one at a time. Like what's, what's the technology it, behind it? Gmail one at a time. Wow. That, that's really it. Now, I do use a couple other things. Podmatch is probably the best of the matching services out hmm. there. And I, I happen to know Alex, but I am I'm not paid. I have right. no compensation to say that. Podmatch is really efficient. Podcast guest list is also a pretty good email list. And there and you go and you you click and you fill out the form. Yeah. So some of those some are forms. Sometimes, of course, for people I have to go onto their website and fill out their contact information. But honestly, with everything I create, and here's the key thing if you want to be a guest. And go at volume and get at scale. Because if you want to be on the 150 podcast Dory had mentioned to me, that means you are pitching 500 plus at least. Yeah, You have to do at volume, create that media kit, have your standard email templates, and then it's very easy to cut and paste. And of course, with Podmatch, there again, they say, here's your recommendations for the day. You can cut and paste. It's pretty standard. Obviously, cut, paste, edit. Don't just exact same thing for everyone. But you can use a pretty standard thing. And you can pitch these guys in under a minute. In fact, my email, I have a template. I can literally pitch a podcast in under a minute. Well, Mark, I got to tell you, for not being an interview, this was just us chatting. This was a lot of fun. Mark Hirschberg, he's the author of the book, the Career Toolkit, and there's a whole bunch more after that, but just go to thecareertoolkitbook.com. I'm going to go get it. Uh, it. It sounds really cool. You might actually come back and talk about networking because that's something that podcasters, uh, in, in, I know for me, I'm horrible at it. I, I do my best at it. Mark, thanks for uh, accidentally falling into an interview. Well, thanks so much for having me. This has been absolutely fun. Oh, I thought that was a fun conversation i liked that uh the whole editing thing let me know what kind of editing you're doing so i don't show up looking uh disheveled shall we say and then it turns up on your uh tiktok how long is your typical length i always ask that because i have multiple answers i can give you include your social handles i love just the phrase make it easy for them to say yes but the big one in there who is your audience and if you can't answer that question you need to join the school of podcasting, doggone it, because that is really, that's the basement. If your podcast was a house, that's where you start. And like I say, I'll have more from Mark in the future because he actually has a cool app that I want to talk about. The reason I'm not including it right now is because we're 30 minutes in and I want to play with it. I want to, it's really pretty cool. So you'll hear more from Mark in the future. If you want to check out his book, go to 
thecareertoolkitbook.com. That again, thecareertoolkitbook.com. And the other thing is, as I heard this, he was talking about the thing you do in Gmail that's called a template. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to make that my next YouTube video. So if you're not following me on YouTube, I'll put a link to that again with everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 866. Another thing I wanted to mention here, if you're doing interviews, I did an episode back in 2019, but it's still got evergreen content. It's called The Ultimate Guide to Hosting and Guesting Podcast Interviews. You can find that at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 677. The other thing is, based on Mark's recommendation, I went over and signed up for Podmatch. Now, this is not free, and I've had Andy on from Podcast That's Singular, Guests, that's plural, so podcastguest.com. And those are probably, especially that one, podcastguest.com, is one that I get probably an interview uh, once a month, maybe once every other month. Uh, I've played with Guestio. There are a ton of these things. But my first impression of Podmatch is amazing. Like, it's really a dashboard. And I've already found some shows that I'm going to reach out to. I have found there's like a to-do list in there. It's amazing. And just by nature, the fact that you have to pay for this, I think you get a little, I don't want to say better because that sounds judgmental, but I'll just put it this way. Nobody over there did their artwork in crayon. And the process of setting up your one sheet, I'll put a link to that again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 866. Just putting together your one sheet, you have to figure out like why Again, I want to make it easy for them to say yes. Likewise, people that sign up for a host, like, hey, I'm looking for guests. Those people have really said, hey, here's who we're looking for. And then Podmatch, hence the name, like gives you like, hey, here's some people you might want to contact. It's actually pretty cool. So I'll have a, a link to that. They do have an affiliate program. So let's be known. I've used it a whopping about mm, four hours at this point, And I'm just impressed. So The bottom line is I don't know if it will get me any interviews. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get on one because we are just such a match. But uh, that uh, thanks to Mark for that. And he mentioned a couple other ones. Those will all be out there. But the bottom line is Mark did the work. Pretty amazing stuff. And like I said, he'll be back. I'll have a link to his book out at the website. And if you know anybody that is looking to be interviewed or is doing interviews, uh, again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 866, or just send them to schoolofpodcasting.com slash be interviewed, as in B-E, interviewed. And of course, I want to thank my staff this particular episode as I pull up my timer. Uh, it took around six hours. We spent three and a half hours editing it. And uh, so I want to thank my editor, Dave Jackson. want to thank, of course, uh, my guest. That was uh, Mark Hirschberg. And I also want to thank my music supervisor, Dave Jackson. I want to thank my producer, Dave Jackson. I want to thank the webmaster. Uh, you might have heard of him, Dave Jackson. And of course, the graphics for this episode are based on the logo from podcastbranding.co. But this episode's artist is Dave Jackson. And of course, it wouldn't have been the same without our choreographer, Dave Jackson. And uh, yeah, okay, that's enough of that. Schoolofpodcasting.com is where you can find everything, our newsletter. You can find, again, the links to everything we talked about. 
you can join the School of Podcasting. I would love to see what we could do together. It's all there. Follow the show. Just remember the one address, schoolofpodcasting.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Twice on a good friend of mine that lives in Scotland, I have just slept through alarms because it's trying to get me out of bed at four in the morning and my body does not function at four in the morning. I tried. I And he was very gracious about it. I thought it was a great conversation. Things like the big one, like what type of editing are you going to do? Like, don't let me show up in a, a wife beater. Are we allowed to say wife beater anymore? Oh, a, a dirty white T-shirt. No offense to any wife beaters, of course.